You're listening to Travel Tales with Fergal. Did you know immediately when you saw them? I mean, they were raw, I presume. Well, I, I didn't know they were going to be superstars. I thought they were a good band. I thought oh, the first song was great. Second song was really good. The third song, fuck, I'm going to sign them. And then Liam Gallagher went, uh, all right, well, you know, this is a Beatles song. And I went, oh, fuck, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> and it was amazing. In the beginning, you were just hoping that people would get it. And then, of course, people fucking did get it. You know what I mean? And that's when things get exciting, you know? You just heard the voice there of music industry legend Alan McGee talking about discovering and signing Oasis. Alan is one of the most influential figures in the history of British music. After setting up Creation Records in the 80s, his label was behind era-defining albums from The Jesus and Mary Chain, Primal Scream, My Bloody Valentine, of course Oasis. His life has been turned into a movie called Creation Stories by the train-spotting team of Danny Boyle and Irving Welch, and the premiere is this week at Sky Movies. Alan speaks in the podcast about how he irrevocably changed the face of British culture. Who is Alan McGee? Alan. Oh, you're Alan McGee! Alan McGee. Let's rewind. I'm going to be a millionaire one day. Thank you, Blasco. Good night. Have you got your sister's makeup on? If I say much as here, you mention those sexy pistols. You wish you were never born. You look ridiculous! Do you have any more bands on your label? Label? I knew we could take over the world. I have a dream. We're going to be bigger than you two. Every now and then, a band comes along and changes your life. Like the one to the stage, Oasis. in the world. Where does it go from here? Call it what it was. It was a breakdown. I make things happen. Be a punk. Be a rebel always. There's always something to rebel for. What is this film? A documentary? It's a biopic. Forrest Gump means poison hood. Don't want to forget that. Hit the old record. Now, I was going to say, Dawn Hindle was another person who she ran Manumission. She owns oh, Pike. Right, right. Oh, that Pike's voice. Yeah. I've never, do you know, I've never been to Ibiza. Not that I remember. Have you not? Because that was one of my, so. that was actually going to be one of my questions. You know, say with Screamadelia and, and you introduced the guys to Acid House. So I thought. Do you, I thought do, you know, do you know why I probably never went? Probably never went because I thought it was too commercial or something. Like that. God <laughs> knows. I, do, I never went. Because you were a big into it, weren't you at that stage? I mean. Mad. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why I never went. God knows. So yeah. that, I mean, that was peak time with 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 the hacienda and andrew wetherall i mean you would have i mean he's just one of the best djs of all time really isn't he yes yeah yeah no, he was great i knew andy not well but i'm obviously mm. I hired him and i suppose i helped give him his break ultimately and he gave he gave us our, our break do you know what i mean true true but um he was a great dj i I mean, I still listen to his mixes to this day. Do you know what I mean? You know? So do I, actually. And I, I do, you know, you're right, you're right, yeah. Because they're actually timeless. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, they are, man. Yeah, they are. 
So your Ridgie stars, obviously, you were in Glasgow um, in the 80s. Yeah. Quite amazing that you, you were actually in school with Bobby Gillespie then at the, at the time, weren't you? Yeah, so I was like, I mean, he's like, I mean, I've got an, one older friend than Bob, you know, but I mean, Bob's a very, very long standing friendship. I mean, I was 12 and Bob was 11, you know, and uh, we've been friends ever since then, you know. Uh, a story that I love is your gig you brought him to was Tin Lizzy. Well, yeah, they were good, but it's like, it was more, it was funny. It was like uh, Phil Lynott was doing that with a bass and he was shining. It was like the light was coming. It was hitting his reflector and, it, and the light hit Bobby Gillespie. And Bobby was like, oh, you know, like, you know, I've been anointed. <laughs> do you know what I mean? <laughs> the light hit you in the face, Bob. Do you know what I mean? So that was Bob. You know, that's he's always been a bit like that. A dreamer, man. I always think it's interesting, like these people, you know, that, that who are attracted to each other that are connected. I mean, you obviously yeah, had man. that con- connection. I mean, your whole careers have been so interconnected all the way through. I don't know if I could have done it, you know, d- d- I don't know if I could have got off creation in the, in the eighties and the nineties off the ground, but I did off the ground without Bobby really. And then I don't know if he could have got the band off the ground without me. It was kind of very codependent. Did I see that he was doing like you know creating album covers and stuff? He like he was was he involved with you at the oh, yeah, start? Yeah, but he was he was he worked for a printer. Fer, okay, uh, Fergus. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean like it was like. You know, he, he was getting them printed up. Yeah, and he, he designed a few single sleeves. Do you know what I mean? You know, he, he, his calling was definitely, you know, singing and, and writing yeah. songs, you know. So it must be amazing, like, you have a movie coming out. It's coming out in, in March, isn't that right? Yeah, right? March, March the 20th, Fergus, yeah. So isn't that amazing that, um, you know, like, is it surreal having a, a movie coming out in yourself? Well, I, I mean, it's all, it, is, it is, but but the truth is, I don't actually hate it, so I can live with it. Yes. So that's, I'd call that a success because I can actually live with it. You know what I mean? The train spotting team, isn't it? Denny Boyle is yes. producer. Yeah, yeah. Irvin yeah. Welch is, is a writer. Yeah, yeah. Nick Moran's the director. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, uh, Ewan Bremner plays me. Who was spotted uh, in train spotting. Yeah, yeah. And Thomas Turkus, the guy for This Is England, plays Dick Green, you know. So that'll be and Richard, Richard Jobson of the Skids plays my dad. That must be the surrealist one. No, I'm friends with Jobson. And, and when Ewan Bremner was the one that got Jobson in, he went, let's get Richard in to play Alan's dad. He couldn't find any suitable. And then the minute went, Jobson for your dad. And I went, brilliant. Fucking <laughs> let's get Let's get Jobson, you know. So you're happy with the results. I can't wait to see oh, it. Yeah, yeah. It. So to go back to Glasgow, so you were with Bobby, you were, you were quite amazing at the time when you think, you know, Primal Scream, well, he started around that time. Did Jesus and Mary Chains were in Glasgow at the same yeah. time? Yeah, man. That was, everybody came out. I suppose, in truth, Orange Juice were the pioneers of that whole thing. And then we, we were the second wave of that. Creation and the Mary Chain and the Primal. So that was a kind of second wave of that Glasgow band coming through and I suppose we were the, the indie alternative version and then the major bands that were coming through around that time were all the obvious ones like Love and Money and Hipsway and the Bluebells and all that and yeah. I, I'm, I like a lot of that stuff actually but uh, there was two kind of like we were like more like the indie DIY part of it you know what I mean? Which kind of came out of punk didn't it? Yeah mm-hmm. yeah definitely yeah yeah well, all these guys in the major bands from the 80s in Glasgow, they all did come out of punk. I mean, I'm still mates to this day with the guy, Robert Hodgins for the Bluebells, but he was around when me and Bobby were like little punks in Glasgow. We knew we knew Robert then. He's now known as Bobby Bluebell, but 
But a big, big songwriter now, like incredible success, written for everybody. But he wrote most of the the Texas hits. But he wrote loads. He's just he's bigger than that. He's, he wrote so many hits. That guy. Uh, but he came out of the same thing as us. He was a he was just out of the punk thing, you know. And do you think he came out of Glasgow? You know, it was a tough working class town at that stage. Do you think he came out of that as well? The music. I don't know. I think we were just punk kids, yeah. and like and the, the, uh, the, who'd have thought that Bobby could write international hits? Who'd have thought Bobby Bluebell could have written international hits? Who'd have thought I could manage international bands? We didn't know. Yeah. You know what I mean? We didn't know. Like at that stage, did you think you were going to get into the music industry? Did it just happen stage by stage? Yeah, I mean, I think I think we wanted that, but we had no idea that we were going to do that. You know, I mean, you don't, you know, you just get on and do it. You know, creation records. I mean, I saw a great line that is is sort of the Motown of of the North. Quite amazing when you when you think of the bands that you you know that you signed, like with My Bloody Valentine, Primal Screen, Oasis. Well, I mean, I like what I like. I mean, I still like what I like. I've got a band for Ireland now. Have you? The Clockworks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you heard of them? I have. They're brilliant. From I didn't realise they Yeah, were... yeah, I've signed them. And and I've got all the majors trying to sign them off me and all that sort of stuff. So that's that's going on now, you know, even in lockdown, you know. I, did, I didn't realise that they were Irish. I, I They remind me of a cross between Fontaine's DC and Joy Division, you know. It's, yeah, that's kind of fair point. That's kind of roughly what it is, you know. A bit, a bit more pop than any of that, you know. I mean, yeah. they're kind of pop songs, aren't they, as well? Hmm. But um, a little bit more radio, but uh, um, you know, it's what it is, you know. Yeah, and I've signed them. Yeah. When you go to a gig, do you like? Do you know <laughs> within five minutes? Do you know it when, when we do go again? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. I know. I, yeah, I know within a song. Yeah, if you're great or not, you know, just yeah. about. Yeah, yeah. I do comedy promotion. I go in back. I used to go to Edinburgh every year. I always say yeah. like it was so hot during the gigs that. Within the first five minutes, I'd either fall asleep. And if I hadn't fallen asleep <laughs> in five minutes, I knew they were yeah. good. You kind of know straight away, don't you? For Oasis then, I mean, that's, the, you know, so famous, that story. Like you saw them in Glasgow. Am I right in saying that? that yeah, did? yeah, I did. Yeah. Um, trotted up to see, this, uh, to see this girl that I was kind of seeing at the time, Debbie Turner, and my on and off kind of thing. And um you know, she brought the Gallicas along because they were in a rehearsal room and it was meant to be, you know what I mean, you know? Did you know immediately when you saw them? I mean, they were raw, I presume. Well, I, I didn't know they were going to be superstars. I thought they were a good band. I thought, oh, the first song's great. Second song's really good. The third song, fuck, I'm going to sign them. And then William Gallagher went, uh, all right, well, you know, this is a Beatles song. And I went, oh, fuck, this is going to be terrible. <laughs> and it was amazing. And then I was like, and then... It began like that, you know. I went and shouted, I said to the, you know, the sound guy who actually had worked for me, you know, a guy called Mark Coyle, and he'd worked for me for Teenage Fan Club, and he got, he could like this, but he got the sack by the Teenage Fan Club for, uh, for a basically getting in the way of business because basically every time me and him would would hook up, would do coke, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then so I went in and Coyle was up with Oasis and. And he was he was doing the sound, and Jesus. he'd got the sack for the teenage fan club for doing cocaine. You know, <laughs> were they wild? I mean, at that stage, Oasis dealing with them must have been uh... no. I mean, I mean, I mean, they were no more than what you would expect from working class kids from Manchester know, in yeah. nineteen ninety three. They were like, that's what it was like. I mean, it was like they were like a little bit lady, but not much. I mean, Noel was a hustler. You know what I mean? Oh, Liam yeah. was a dreamer, but Liam was twenty. 
19 when I met him. But Noel was a hustler. He was 25 and wanted to become successful and rich and famous. Do you know what I mean? And that's what Noel was like, you know? So he had that drive from the start. Yeah, he did. He's, he's still got it, you know. It's just a bit more refined now because he's become richer than other STs now. <laughs> <laughs> you So you had him for just sort of the first three albums, am I right in saying that, yeah. that they were with creation? No, I, no, I, no? I, I sold the company to Sony after 2000, 2000. But I was with them for three albums, yeah, yeah, yeah. And and, and the, the B-Sides record, do you know what I mean? So, you know, I was with them for seven years, do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was peak time. I mean, yeah. it, like w- when their first album was coming out, did you? I remember I was in London actually that summer before it came out. And yeah. I was with a guy who had tickets for the gig and he was saying, These guys are going to be massive, you know? And, uh, you know, they were. yeah, exactly. You know, I remember going, Flip, I should have gone to that gig, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they were, did, did you know, like that there was going, they were going to take off? I knew they were, you know, after a certain point you did, but in the beginning, I mean, you were just hoping that people would get it. Do you know what I mean? I knew they were brilliant. I mean, when I first saw them, I thought they were good. And then after a bit, I thought, oh, I hope they're brilliant. I hope that they're going to be brilliant. But And and I just wanted people to get it. And then, of course, people fucking did get it. You know what I mean? And that's when things get exciting, you know? I read a line and it was like, I think it was talking about the year you signed Oasis. And it was like, the only thing you remember from that year was the day you signed yeah. Oasis. So was That's it a mad time? True. Yeah. I mean, that was it. It was snowing all year, you know. But was it just, so it was just adrenaline and going, going nonstop partying? No, it was, no, it was drugs. And But was it partying drugs or was it just to keep you going or what was it? Do you know what oh, I mean? I don't know. I can't really, really remember. I think it was just, being an addict, it just, you know, you know, it was, uh, it was just crazy, you know. And do you think that it hindered or affected you? I know it did, but also your yeah, you know I mean? it got in the way. It got in the way, but I don't know if I, I mean, I mean, if I hadn't done the, if I hadn't got into the ecstasy thing in the the eighty seven, would I've got into acid house? I probably wouldn't have. So it was all part of the journey. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, like I, I was reading recently about David Bowie, you know, the Tin White Duke era. I think it was yeah, just yeah. cocaine and milk. <laughs> and, he, and he did some of his best music at the time, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, I signed Oasis when I was like, I'd just come off the crack pipe. Do you know what I mean? They weren't really called crack in 1993. It was called Free Bass and Cocaine. Do you know what I mean? So tell us, that, that period with Oasis, um, you know, touring with them then, that was like another level from anything else that you would have been... Yeah. You know, that must have been mad, was it? With like Nebworth and the whole... Yeah, I wasn't really involved in the touring thing because I wasn't their manager. I was their publisher and their, their record company. Yeah. Uh, I was never their manager. But yeah, I mean, it was great showing up at these big venues. It got really exciting from about Earl's Court on with the shows because they were big, you know. It was good. Yeah. And when was that Earl's Court on? When was that one? That was in 94 no, 95. No, that 95. was just on when we put out What's the Story, Morning Glory. And they'd done two nights at Errol's Court, 20,000 people a night. Yeah, it was fantastic. You know? so that must have been, yeah, because I remember that gig. I was someone that was like in, in 94. So that, you know, just before they, they went big. But they were one of the biggest in the world at that stage, really, yeah. weren't they? It must have been yeah. crazy. Like from the point of view of creation records. Yeah, that was great. So what happened? Like you moved on, then with, sold to Sony. When was that? In two thousand, was it? Or? In two th- in two thousand, I, I done the deal, and I, I got fed up with the 
Sony corporate politics. And then I went and started this other company called Pop Tones. And I started the management company back up again because that was one of the reasons I left because I wanted to start managing people. And they wouldn't let me because they'd stopped me managing people for about eight years. So then I, I went and started creation management up. And so do you love that then? Do you love the management side of the business? I do like it. Yeah, I do like it. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you've evolved with Happy Mondays, Black Grape, yeah. right then that Sean Ryder. That must yeah, be. Yeah. And are you still involved with them? I mean, that must be. Amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's great. And cast, cast in Las Vegas and yeah. the View and Kyle Faulkner. So, it's quite small, really, to be honest. You know what I mean, but it's only me. And a couple other people helping, you know what I mean? So it's small, you know. You've seen a million gigs in, in your day. Like, so is there one, if I go, your most memorable gig that you were ever at? Is there one that jumps out? Clash. Wow. 77, 78. These shows were great. Ramones, fantastic. When there were Ramones and Skids. The punk gigs for me, the punk guys are my heroes. Do you know what I mean? Even though like the, the joke is that the Britpop thing, was much, much sold. The sales in the Britpop era outweighed the punk thing by a million miles. But it's like, but the punk guys are my heroes, really. When you meet Charlie Harper, you get excited. <laughs> yeah. I do anyway, you know. And the energy of those gigs were just another level, yeah. weren't they? I would yeah, assume. brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. And you know when you talk about that Britpop era, like part of that was... It was the goal, you know, Tony Blair and um, Labour. That was all part of it, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, man. were you yeah. involved? Like, so you were kind of a like, big supporter of Labour then around that time, weren't you? Yeah, I still, Labour are still my party, but it just, it's, it's just, it's lacked leadership for years. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I managed to change the, the I, I managed to change the, the law, the legislation of the government into getting musicians uh, benefits. So that, that was good, mate, you know. Which is massive. So while Which is called New Deal for Musicians, it was called, you know what I mean? London or England was the epicentre of music during that period, though that 90s period, wasn't it? I mean... No, it was amazing, yeah, yeah. It was great. I mean, I mean the 80s were, were fantastic as well, though. It was just like, um, you know, I mean, my favourite period in music, say, is really, because Bunnyman, Teardrop, Mondays, Primals, all my favourite bands came out of that period, you know what I mean? Yeah, it's, it's the music. I'm, I'm the same. I mean, it's the music that I always listen to um, now, particularly during lockdown, actually, I've noticed uh, that I've really gone back to listening to the 80s. Like, uh, you know, like like My Bloody Valentine is perfect lockdown okay. music, isn't it? Yeah. You know. Um, do, actually, with that album, I wanted to ask you, like, when did, I mean, that is now, you know, often one of the top 10 albums of all time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Did you know that at the time? I mean, it was it was very different yeah. than everything. Nobody nobody knew. I mean, that was just it was a very difficult record to make. But you know, just on the level of dealing with Kevin and it, it, the expense of it. But at the end of the day, when you got the record, it was a great record. Do you know what I mean? And I'm glad that we went through the the pain of dealing with the whole situation. You know what I mean? You know. And what was that like? Because I've I've read that so many times that it was such a it took a long time. And well, it, was... it just it was it, we were like we were underfunded. Um, Kevin spent two hundred seventy grand making it. It was money that we didn't have. Do you know what I mean? So, you know, I mean, it was painful. But 
we're fine with each other. Do you know? Now we've had a couple of big fallouts in the past, me and Kevin, but we're, we're actually cool with each other. So it's all right, you know. Yeah. And was it just recording, scrapping, recording, and then re-recording again? Was that the the process? Uh, no, it was just it was just very, very, very particular and really slow. But it's a great record, so you have to just well, go fair play. You know it's I mean? definitely a classic. The Jesus and Mary chain. Do you were involved with them at the very start of their career, weren't you? Yeah, and I've been involved with them three times. I've been have you? I signed them and was with them for three years. Got the sack. Then I signed them for records in 1998 and put the record out. Uh, at Monkey. Then they split up and battered each other on stage and split up. Uh, and then. They came and got me to resurrect them in 2014, and I managed them for another four or five years. You know, I mean, and, and then they sacked me again. <laughs> <laughs> so it's a love That's love a, hate relationship. It kind of is. I, I, God knows what any it's about, but I don't hate them. Yeah, it just is what it is, you know. And when you so you signed them sort of back in the eighties. They went then to a label, you know, Blanky Negro, wasn't it? For yeah, that was yeah, I was a manager. I'd done the deal, and they and they um they signed to Warner Brothers uh, with that record. It came out on the imprint, Blanco and Negro, but it was signed to Warner's. And then uh, and then I signed them to Creation Records in ninety seven, ninety eight. Put a record out, good record actually. And then I resurrected them and put them put them back into big venues in two thousand and fourteen. Did the Psycho Candy World Tour for two years and then done an album and then put that in the top 20. And that, that's just me. And then they sacked me. And that's just the Mary chain. That's just, my, I think it's my relationship with them. It's just, you know what I mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> we fall out, we fall in, we fall out. And with Primal Screen, then you've always been involved with them on and off as well, haven't you? Over the yeah, years from, from the very yeah. start. Never managed them. I, I still publish things like Screamadelica and, and uh, Give Out We Don't Give Up and stuff like that, you know. I mean, that, really? whole, that whole asset house scene in the 90s you know, was was a, a game changer. It, was, it must have been amazing to be around there, Manchester, during that period. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I mean it, wasn't, it was more like London for me, really. I mean, I was up at Manchester in the weekends and I was mates with Tony Wilson, yeah. Fergus. But uh, I suppose like my main contact was the boys' own crowd and that was London, do you know what I mean, you know? And um, obviously, Tony, you know, would, would, would he have been a kind of a mentor to you? Or would you uh, as much as anybody's ever been a mentor. I mean, I love Tony Wilson. He, like, we ripped off his idea with 50 50 deals, you know, profit split deals. As a promoter, I'm sure you're aware of that deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, uh, <laughs> and, and uh, you know, it, it, it was great. You know, I mean, like, Tony was a good guy, always lovely to me, always very hmm. warm and, and very friendly, you know. <laughs> Is there any particular country that um, you particularly liked touring in? Uh, Japan, probably, because uh, I that was just a different experience. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I've DJed there, and uh, I've had some mad fucking nights in Japan. Uh, it's been great. It seems, seems so long ago. I mean, when you sent me these set, the, the you know the questions. I was kind of trying to think. It's a quite a difficult question to think about at the moment. Do you know I mean, actually, I'm going to reverse that. Australia fucking loved it because I was there two years ago with the Mondays, 
And I was there la- then. I was there last year with my son, just before lockdown happened in February. Uh, I, I went for two weeks down to Perth, and I was with three weeks with Happy Mondays in New Zealand, Australia. But Australia, I love it. I absolutely love it. Such a young vibe to that country. Do you know what I mean? It's amazing. It's a real kind of. I know it's cliche, but it, they're they're very. It's a sunshine place. You know, it's a real yeah. positive. Yeah, no, it's, it's great. And tell us, you know, then personally traveling, actually just before that, like traveling with the Happy Mondays, is that as, is, is, as mad as I imagine it would be? <laughs> Not really. It's like, it used to be, but, you know, I mean, I've only managed them for six years now, but it's more like I travel on my own, get to the shows. Sean travels with a minder on his own to the shows. Ned travels on his own to the shows and then the rest of them go, go together. Do you know what I mean? So it's kind of like that. The management fly apart. The, 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 the singer and the dancer, or whatever you want to call Bez, the character, they, you know, they, you know, they travel on their own and then everybody else travels together. So there were the roadies and the rest of the band, you know. Then personally, you know, travelling, do, like, do, you, do you consider yourself a traveller or do you kind of end up doing so much at work, you know, I'm not really a traveller, but I've travelled a lot. Do you know what I mean? You know, yeah. I've been to America about a hundred times. I mean, that's a lot. Do you know what I mean? And do you love America? I love America. Absolutely love it. Yeah. And what about personally then? Like, if you were to pick a country as your favourite for a holiday, where would you pick? Australia, actually, because I did. I went. That was the last place I went just before, and I've only discovered Fergus Australia in the last two or three years. Properly discovered it. Do you know what I mean? And uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I love Perth, of all places, because it's just so, it's like a happy place, really, to be honest. You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of feels, I've, I've been there, and it feels like it's a small, it feels like a small town. You know, it doesn't feel like a city. People, it's not that small. You know True. I mean? And um, then if you were to have a summer house, I don't know if you have one, but where would you put it abroad? Maybe France. And is that like, is that any particular place or? like France but uh, I like everywhere really to be honest I'm not really particular about it. I mean I've got a lot of property in Wales I live in London I'm in Wales at the moment but uh, yeah you know I mean like I like I like Wales I like the UK you know uh, you know I like Ireland the one place in Ireland I've never been that much to is Northern Ireland actually been to Dublin 50 times do you know what I mean but, uh, I've only been to Belfast handful of times maybe five times or something i haven't been to belfast that much you know what I mean? and this is a tricky one i would say would be your best night out when you're abroad what's the first one that comes into your head well there's been many but i'd have to go back to japan i did one with bp fallon and uh at death disco 2000 we did two in a row yeah they flew me and bp down and we he flew in for dublin or america whatever he was and I flew down for the UK, and uh, we did one in Osaka that was mad, really mad, and that was great. And then the one after that, we did two nights later, we did in this insane place. The Japs put you on, coming at five, five o'clock at night in a really, in a, almost like an art gallery, and it, they'd set up a kind of boxing ring in the middle for me and BP to DJ. And it it became mad. It became like sober Japanese people, you know, just throwing themselves around, about two or three hundred of them. It was mad. 
And I, I saw actually a great photo on BP Fallon recently. I think it was on his uh, Instagram and it was of you, him and Kate Moss at a debt disco in New York. That was yeah. in the early 90s. I think it was around the time he was doing DJ for Zeropa. Yeah. Uh, 2004, I think that picture oh, was. was it? Okay. Is there a festival abroad you would recommend people to go to? Yeah, Coachella is great. You should go to Coachella. Is that brilliant, is it? It's good, yeah, yeah. That's cool. I mean, I haven't been, uh, I mean, I say that, yeah. I haven't been for like 15 years or something. No, 12 years, but it was always great when I was when I was going to it. There was something, just as a question that I always ask everybody, um, and it is basically, if you close your eyes and take four deep breaths, because we were a travel show, where where would your happy place be? Um don't know why I'm saying this because I've only been two or three times. Maybe the Maldives, but I don't know. I don't know why I'm saying that because I'm, <laughs> you know, I'm in I'm in Wales at the moment. It's fucking great. So God knows, you know, and, I, and Wales is very nice for me. Um, you know, London maybe. I don't know. I I I uh, I love London. I walk up and down the river. Lockdown's been good to me, Fergus. I, I mean, I've lost thirty-eight pounds. I've went from being a fat bastard to like a kind of virgin on being a skinny bastard. Do you know what I mean? You know. I've I've seen that on uh, I follow you on Instagram and I've oh, seen, no, no, no. so I've been following your your journey and it's brilliant. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's funny that's the line I was thinking. Lockdown was good to you because you, yeah, you got yeah. you got your training, yeah. didn't it? Yeah, it did. Got me healthy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the other guy that I saw doing something similar, maybe it's inspiration from you, was uh, Bez. Was uh, yeah, no, no. He's just doing, he Bez is like that. Bez is Bez is crazy. You know, Bez is like he's out doing all that fucking. You know, riding a bike, and he's just a sport. He he he's a sporty guy, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's true. I mean, his his energy, his his engine's always running. You know, so uh, it's totally. ideal for yeah. him. And then just one last question was, um, you know, touring with bands. Like, did you actually enjoy touring? Like, do you like that yeah. part of the business? Yeah, I'm a, yeah, I've been addicted to it. To be honest, I've been doing it my whole life. And uh, but this is interesting. The last ten months, because the minute I stopped touring. I've got healthy. Do you know what I mean? So I don't know. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'd be interested when we go back to touring next year that, you know, if I could stay healthy. I hope so. I should. Yeah. I think I can because I kind of know how to eat now. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's the thing when you're touring, it's like grabbing food before the gig and then eating yeah. late. And yeah. it's such, you have to be so disciplined, don't you? Yeah. That's the really, yeah, yeah. the really. Yeah. Tricky thing. Well, I was I was terrible, Fergus, because I went. I, I mean, I changed my diet four years ago when I had a um a, a colitis. But um, but I mean, I, with me, um, I, I would get I would get into like I'd say the Mondays were doing Glasgow or, or Scotland somewhere, and I'd get into the hotel and eleven half eleven, order up a, a burger before room service stops, and go to sleep on a burger. It's just not fucking healthy. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know, what, what town are you in? So I'm in Clamel, Clamel in Tipperary. All oh, uh, right. In hey. Tip. So I would, yeah. So I've I never do, been. I've never been. It is gorgeous. I have to say, I'm surrounded yeah. by the mountains. You know, the movie you say is coming out <laughs> in March. March the 20th. And it's on going to be Sky. It's going to be on Sky. I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, um, brilliant. I would ask if you could please subscribe to Apple Podcast so a new episode will appear in your library every week. I would also really appreciate if you could leave a rating and a review as it helps others to discover this podcast. 
find out who's on every Tuesday, please follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Travel Tales with Fergal. Stay safe and keep dreaming of future travels. Travel Tales with Fergal.